Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to our online experience at Toronto City Church. I pray that you guys had an amazing time with our worship team, and let's get ready to receive uh, what the Lord has prepared for us today. And as always, I like to start, or most of the time, I like to start with a little bit of a story, a joke, or commentary, or something like that. And this time, it's a story of a little boy uh, that was asked by his father to say grace at the table. And let's take opportunity now that we are celebrating Thanksgiving on this weekend. So while the rest of the family waited, the little guy eyed every single dish of food that his mother had prepared. And after the examination, he bowed his head and honestly prayed, Lord, I don't like at all the looks of it, but I thank you for it. And I will eat it anyway. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's kind of tying with uh, the theme that God has placed in my heart for us today uh, with regards of being grateful in difficult times. This is the title. And it goes along the, the messages that we've been preaching in this season about knowing God and making God known through our Thanksgiving in this weekend. So before we start, I'm going to invite you, whatever you are, to bow your head with me and let's surrender this time unto the Lord. So Father, I thank you for this time that you are allowing me, Father, to share your word, to share the thoughts that you have placed in my heart for your church, Toronto City Church. And I pray, Father, that as my words are coming out, that it will be your Holy Spirit ministering to the souls and hearts, Father, of those who are listening this morning. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you are giving us to access your throne, to access your presence, and to receive from you. I pray, Lord, that as your word is shared, you will transform our hearts from the inside out and that we will become more like you. So I thank you, Father, for this time. I surrender it, Lord, to your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement says amen and amen. Uh, I want to start with a scripture from uh, the first letter of the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. And in chapter 5, verses 18 uh, to 20, this is what the word reads. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in some circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, uh, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. And if you're following with me, and I hope that you are following with me in your Bibles, it doesn't say give thanks in some circumstances when everything is good in our lives. It says give thanks in all circumstances. And this is something that as we have been journeying in this season with so much uncertainty, so much commotion around the world, it's hard for us sometimes to have this attitude of thanksgiving towards God. Because sometimes, and I'm pretty sure that many of you may be in this position, we feel as if God wasn't listening, as if God was not in control. But what the Word of God promises is that He is in control of every single circumstance that happens in our lives. Now, this was the exhortation of the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. 
as the church was growing in faith and the testimony to others. And, and this attitude was not new to the church. We need to be reminded that the church at the beginning was made out of mainly by uh, people from Jewish background. So they had this at the core of their hearts, the attitude of thanksgiving. And the Bible is plenty of scriptures with regards of thanksgiving. One of them that is really well known to us is Psalm 100. And I want to read a portion for you. And this is what uh, Psalm 100 reads. It says, um, Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pastors. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him. Bless his name. So even before they had the opportunity to say hi, they will come with this attitude of praise, of adoration, of giving things for whatever circumstances they were going through. Because if there is something particular about the people of Israel, is that they were able to see God in the midst of every single circumstance. When we read the Psalms, even those Psalms that are kind of uh, filled with violence and filled with uh, fear and fear with persecution and all these things that the writers were experiencing, at the end, almost in every single circumstance, we can see how they were placing high trust in God, in God being in control, in God being the one that was standing for his people and that's God's promise that he will never leave us he will never forsake us but today I want to talk from a little bit of a more uh, particular context of what is happening in our world nowadays and Thanksgiving is important to us not only as we celebrate this weekend but more from a more biblical perspective uh, many people nowadays when we come to this celebration of Thanksgiving all they think is about pilgrims Turkey and harvest. And, and, and Thanksgiving is something that once again happened even way thousands of years, centuries before the pilgrims arrived. The people of Israel were constantly giving thanks for everything that they were going through. And today I want to, to share with you uh, from a passage in the book of Philippians because there are three particular things that I'm going to be sharing with you that I believe that they, uh, they, in a way, pertain to the situation that we are living nowadays as the church. So I want you to go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 7. Amen? So Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, this is what it reads. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Eudoia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
and let your reasonable or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Let, let once again, let your requests be made known to God. What are the result of this? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and this is a, a, a scripture that is particular uh, to our context, and I'm going to explain to you why. Uh, and I want to, to explain a little bit of the background of the church in, in Philippi. In Philippi. Uh, first and foremost, we need to understand that Philippi was a city that was established even before the church. It was most likely a colony of Rome. Uh, and therefore, it was a church or a city that was filled with polytheism. The people that were sent to this city in particular, they were veterans of the army. Uh, high rank officers, soldiers, and the more that they were arriving, uh, the aristocracy was growing. There was wealthy people and there were different things happening in this city. And we're going to find some of these nuances later on in, in some other scriptures that I will be reading to you. Now, of course, because it's a Roman uh, Empire city, the religion of the emperor or the religion of Rome was the one that was priming. However, we can find that there were other religions, other gods that were being worshipped, like Phrygian and Egyptian gods. And even around the city, there were found different temples that were dedicated to the emperor and his family, because that was the custom back in the day. And, and one of the things is that we're going to find that this context is similar to our situation. We find different gods, different things, different religions, even among uh, our cities, our neighborhoods. Now, there were three key events that were mentioned with regards to the city of Philippi uh, in the book of Acts. And this is with regards of uh, one of the first journeys that Paul did to the city. And these events, we can find them in the book of Acts chapter 16. And the first one of them was the conversion of Lydia. Who was Lydia? It was uh, a woman that will sell uh, clothes, like um, fabrics, purple because it was the color of royalty. These were really expensive and commerce was really active. However, what the Bible mentions in Acts 16 is that this woman was a believer, a follower of God. Nevertheless, the message of the gospel has not necessarily been revealed to her. So when she has this amazing encounter with Paul, as she is listening that Paul is sharing with some people, women most of them, she opened her heart. The scriptures were revealed, and as she gets this revelation, her invitation is for Paul and the apostles and the disciples to come to her house. And the consequence of this is that all her household was baptized. As they are getting all baptized, she says, why don't you remain with me for a moment? Why don't you remain with us for some time? Continue to share about this gospel, about this message. And, and this takes us to the second event. As they were going to the place of prayer, they found a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And, and whoever was in charge of this girl, they were making lots of money out of uh, the, the sorts of things that she would bring for people. 
when, when Paul finds this situation, he rebukes the spirit, the spirit leaves, and, and those who were making money out of her, they were really mad. They were angry, and they went against the disciples, and they accused them with, uh, with the Romans. And of course, the consequences of this is that Paul and Silas were arrested. Why? Because they were preaching the gospel. So, so not everything was all, all, uh, all good for the disciples at this moment. But nevertheless, we find a third event in, in, in this uh, passage here. And it is the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Once they are thrown into jail, we find the particular event where Paul and Silas are at midnight just praising, singing God. I'm pretty sure that they were giving thanks for all the things that have happened, all the conversions, all the good things that came out of this encounter. And all of a sudden at midnight, there is an earthquake. The jail cells are open. People is probably uh, escaping and all this stuff. Uh, the lights go out. And one of the things is that the jailer, he comes scared to find out what was happening. And he finds Paul and Silas in this attitude of praise, of adoration. And he was about to commit suicide because it was a great responsibility for him, the jail. Many people may have escaped. And, or maybe just them. But the interesting thing is that once they have this encounter, uh, probably there were some questions that the jailer had for Paul and Silas. Why you haven't escaped? Like, what's this, this nonsense that you guys are singing and praising and doing all these things to this God and, and with the opportunity to escape? And this was an opportunity for them to share the gospel. Consequence, the jailer and all his house received salvation and they were also baptized. So the church was really well organized at the time Paul writing the letter to the Philippians. This is uh, some time after, probably from one of his imprisonments. And uh, the Bible or history doesn't give us necessarily an account of when this letter was written. But it was from imprisonment. And when Paul gets to share this, at the beginning of the letter, we're going to find that he addresses the letter to the church, but also to the overseas or bishops and to the deacons that were part of the church. So, so the church had some form and some shape already in the, in the city of Philippi. Now, as every single church, problems were not absent. Paul had a very special love for the, for the church in Philippi because in one of his imprisonments, uh, and probably this was one of the first ones, he was really ministered by those who were part of the church. They sent some help. They even sent uh, Timothy, as we read the, the, the narrative in the, in the passage uh, from, from the book of Acts. So, so they were really in care. And in the midst of all these things that were happening with regards of the persecution, uh, we're going to find some other nuances where it seems that there was some division in the church. There were some people, even from within the church, that they were opposing the work of the gospel. Uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about it later. But the thing is that, nevertheless, the church stood up for Paul, for those who were in charge of bringing the message of the gospel. And the three main issues that we are going to address from this passage have to do with suffering and persecution, with disunity, and with opposition. Uh, and one of the things that we find is that 
particularly this church was being really good witnesses in the sense of uh, helping and being the church for those who were at a disadvantage. And, and Paul fall, fell in love, like, like really deep love for this church, to the point that, as we read at some point, he says to them, you guys are my crown. So, so he was proud of what was happening. So let's talk about the things that were happening uh, to the church in Philippi. Suffering and persecution. Reading through the first chapter, uh, we get to hear this from Paul, uh, that he's talking about, uh, it is right for me, and I'm reading from verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So, we all remember, as I just uh, read, the the encounter with uh, the people of, of Philippi and how they were against everything that was happening with the gospel, particularly because they were preaching now a new king. And, and this was really high uh, of importance for, for the Romans and for every single person in Philippi. They enjoy all the benefits of citizenship of Rome. Therefore, the emperor was the maximum authority, not only with regards of government, but even with, uh, with regards of their religion. That's what they called to the emperor. So, so once they find this, this stuff, definitely there's persecution against the church. And to the point that when we read on verse 20, this is what he says. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And this gives us the idea that probably during this imprisonment, Paul was facing death. He didn't encounter death here in Philippi. But it seems that there was the threat of, of taking his life for the things that he was doing. So if we read a little bit later, uh, and, and this is what uh, he reads uh, on the same first chapter. And I wanted you to read this passage because I, I think that it's key in, in our position as the church. Uh, why I'm saying this is because many times we get comfortable with the life that we know. And one of the key concepts that Paul brings to the church in Philippi is that he lets them know and he reminds them, your citizen, my citizenship is not from this earth. We are citizens for, uh, of a greater kingdom, of a greater nation whose foundations are not in here but in heaven. And, and Paul took this seriously and this is what he reads. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, as I just read. And on verse 20, 21, this is what he states. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And, and I believe that, that we are living difficult times. 
and and there is a lot of struggle especially with many of the nuances that in the last season have come to our life as as the church uh, but one question that I keep asking myself is, okay, so even in the midst of all this that is happening, how am I the church to those who are around me? How am I a representative of Christ? Uh, and this is a tough question because Christ himself said, okay, the servant is no greater than the master, than the teacher. And if this is what they did to me, expect something similar but sometimes we, we get so comfortable, we get so caught up in, in, in believing that, that there is a next day to come. And we don't count the cost of following Christ and the cost of being the church. And I'm not saying that we are all going to become martyrs. But even in that sense, the word martyr simply means witness. And we witness with both our life and our death as we will read later. So something for us to keep in mind. How are we being the church in the midst of these challenges, even if we are on the face of death? Are we running away or are we running towards? And I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about Christ. For Christ has placed a call on us as a church. And it is a high calling. And we need to be aware of those things. The second problem that, that it seems that Paul is dealing with the church of Philippi, as I mentioned, is disunity. And in chapter 4, we find these two women, Iodia uh, and Syntyche. And, and what Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi is, okay, you guys need to pray for these two ladies that they have labor for me and, and pray that they will be in agreement as everything that is respecting to the Lord. He says, I pray and you should pray that they will be in agreement in the Lord. This is uh, verse 2. And, and I don't know and we don't know necessarily what was the disagreement between these two ladies. But if they are mentioned here, it's because their name were important. When I was doing the study for, for today, I, I, I was like, okay, I'm curious about what is the meaning of their names. Iodia means a prosperous journey. And, and literally, it's, it's translated as well as fragrant. And sintike means with faith. F-A-T-E. And, and, and faith is the, the unexpected things that will happen in our journey, but that we will have to deal with them. So if we read a little bit of in between the lines, what Paul is saying is maybe that, okay, in our journey as believers, we're going to find different circumstances, different things that probably we are not expecting in our way. But the most important thing that we have to do is to be in agreement, to be faithful, and to wherever we go, carry that fragrance of the gospel, carry that smell of the love, the compassion, and all the things that God has for His people and for the world. So, so it is interesting that, that he brings these uh, at this point. There is some division. And, and in, in, in the day and age that we live in, we're finding that there is division even among the church. 
for different circumstances, not only uh, theological as before, but now uh, circumstances that have to go, that have to do with, with dealing with the, the things that, that we have in our face right now, this whole situation with COVID-19. And, and there has been some, some emphasis and some attention to this particular event. And probably many of you guys are thinking, okay, there he goes, Pastor Jair is going to start talking about the vaccine and the importance or the not importance. I'm not going to be talking about that. Because one of the things that I believe and that I have in my heart is that there are things that have a greater repercussion that is eternal in our lives that in a way we have turned our attention to just one or two things and we have forgot uh we have forgotten of the call that we have to be ministers of reconciliation first to be ministers that bring words of hope words of encouragement words of love healing to the nations to the people that they are around us and, and somehow I wonder if this has come as a distraction from the enemy to take us away from the true purpose of the church. So something for us to reflect on. But the key is that we need to be in agreement with everything that has to do in the Lord. And we need to set our priorities straight. That's my encouragement for, for you as we, as we go through this text. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about this issue of, of uh, the opposition. Uh, opponents of all kinds were enemies of the work that the disciples were doing uh, in the early church. We have that in the city of Philippi, there is all kinds of people. Once again, Romans. We have Phrygians, we have Egyptians, we have the Jewish, we have the Jews that were converted, that were part of the church. We have the Jews that were converted, that they were uh, Judaizers, as we read in Galatians, that they were promoting uh, the, the law of Moses among everything that they have learned about Christ. Uh, we have Hellenistics, we have uh, all kinds of, of Christians, because... Uh, one of the particularities that Paul deals with in this in this context is that there were some people that they were preaching the gospel out of gain. They were making money out of it. They were making uh, like a personal gain out of it. And and Paul is is basically addressing this situation. Like we we need to start dealing with this nonsense. So so opposition is not new to us as the church. We have nowadays opposition from the government, opposition from the church, opposition from other religions. Opposition has been part of, of who we are and what we do in this world. But once again, the, the question that we need to start asking ourselves is once again, so even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of all these things that are happening, how are we portraying the Christ that became or that came victorious at the cross and whose victory is ours and whose victory we proclaim because that's the heart of the gospel that's the heart of the message and and once again when we think about these nuances okay so how in the world am i supposed to be thankful for all this am i supposed to be thankful because i'm being persecuted because i am suffering I am supposed to be thankful because there is opposition. I am supposed to be thankful because my brother or my sister don't agree with me. And I would say, no, you don't have to be thankful for that. 
but we definitely need to be thankful for the opportunity that every single of these circumstances presents us with to be the church, to be representation of Christ. And, and it is a great privilege that we have. Darkness has covered the earth all over. There is not a corner that darkness has not come and covered during this last year and a half, almost two years. And the question is, if we have been called to be light to the world and salt to the earth, what's our position for that? How are we becoming? How is our, 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 our position and our attitude of thanksgiving with regards of every single thing that is happening around us? Because it is a matter of context. And this is where I want to bring this to, to somehow the conclusion. How all these things, Pastor Jair, are tying up with the theme of thanksgiving. And, and for that, I want you to go back once again to chapter 4 of uh, Philippians. And the first exhortation that Paul gives to the church in Philippi is, okay, church, the first thing that you need to do is stand firm. Stand firm. And for us to be able to stand firm, we need to have a solid ground, a solid foundation, a foundation that comes only from the Word of God. And we need to be key and we need to be wise in how we are approaching the Word of God. Paul's encouragement is, okay, the times that we live in are evil. And we need to be wise as of how are we living our days among everything that is happening. This is no time, as Pastor Brendan has been sharing with us for the longest, this is no time for games. This is no time for lukewarm Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity won't make it. It won't cut it. These are times, difficult times, and, and many people have asked me, so Pastor Yair, does this mean that we are living in the end times? And personally, I would say no. But one thing is guaranteed. The time is near. The time is coming closer and closer. And, and the only thing that really should concern our lives is how are we living that time? How are we walking in Christ in our daily living? Because at the end, whether it is the time or whether it's not, it is our life in Christ, our testimony that is going to make the difference for us. Paul once again reminds us, okay, you need to behave like a citizen from heaven. You're going to find opposition. Jesus said you will find affliction, you will find opposition, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And lifestyle is important. In, in chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus. How are you living the gospel of Jesus in your life? When you address other people, when you extend grace in the same way that has been extended to us, when you are forgiven, when you are compassionate, when you are loving, when you are being humble, because all these, all these things portray the, the gospel that we live in, the message that we carry in our lives. And, and it's hard in a season like this. But once again, Paul's encouragement in this, in this closing remarks to the Philippians is, okay, yes, this is happening, but you need to be firm. And more important, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because you are victorious in His presence. God has given you something that even though you may not be enjoying right now, 
in the in the plan of eternity in in the 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 eternal purpose of God for your life and for my life which is eternity God has made us victorious already we are living in difficult times but we need to start rejoicing in that victory that has been given to us this is a season where we have lost the joy of serving the church this is a season where we have lost the joy of sharing the sacrifice the sacrifices of jesus because something that he said was remember take your own cross and follow me and when he said take your own cross it's about dying to ourselves but also about becoming participants of his sacrifice his journey was a journey where victory was represented in suffering and in death and many times in our churches we don't we don't talk enough about the theology of suffering the theology of pain the theology of sacrifice but this is part of our lives it gives us an understanding of the journey of the cross it gives us an understanding of how much was the price that jesus paid for us and even though we don't have the same price to pay he did it for us but at least he'll give us an understanding and as he continues to read he says let not let your gentleness be known to everyone the lord is near how is it that our gentleness how is it that our compassion is being portrayed in our daily living even when we are arguing because we don't get in the same page how is it that i am being humble enough to admit that not everybody has to agree with what i believe because many times what we have seen in the history of the church is that even in our own beliefs we have made mistakes and we need to be aware of those things we need to have discernment we need to have the revelation and be compassionate as we deal with those that god has placed in our journey because we are to be ministers to them and he says the lord is near but you know what do not be anxious my question for you today is what is it that is stealing your peace what is it that is taking your sleep at night what is it that is so concerning to you that we live in anxiety we go outside and we live in fear we go outside and we live in anxiety we we, we go outside and, and 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 we live in in this concern that something is going to happen to me and we take God out of the picture and we forget that He is in control, that He is our refuge, that He is our healing, that He is our protection, that He, that he is everything to us, and that we live for Him, through Him. This is our daily living. What is it that is taking away your thoughts and taking them away from the promises that God Himself has given us in His Word? And as Paul closes this part of the passage, he says, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. And, and this is something that I learned a, a, a while back. Uh, and, and I believe that our position with regards of thanksgiving is a position and it's a matter of context. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. When I do this, if I was going to ask you, what do you see? There are many possible answers. You can say you're pointing up, so it's direction. You can say, okay, it's me, me, like the little kids in school. You can say, oh, you're pointing at number one. 
or you just being em making emphasis in what you're saying or maybe you're just showing me your finger and it is only one thing that I'm showing to you so we can take different positions and with regards of thanksgiving we can take different positions as I said because whether we can be thankful for the opportunities that we have to experience God and to let God be experienced by others or we can take the position where we are victims. We can take the positions where we uh, feel like if we were losing the battle. We can take the position like if God has abandoned us, which he has not. Or we can live from the position that we are victorious and be thankful for every single thing that God has allowed in our lives. Every single teaching every single thing that he has done for us. The work of the cross is something that we need to be always reminded of. There was a price that was paid and we should be thankful for that because it's, it's not on us right now to pay that price. So my invitation for you is on this Thanksgiving, let's stop for a moment. Let's think about these things that we have shared today. Because once we put these things into perspective, as I was sharing, at the end of this passage, he says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is our hope. Everything about this journey starts with Jesus. And if this is the first time that you hear a message like this, I, I want to... I extend the opportunity for you to start knowing this Jesus that we as Toronto City Church and me personally, we believe in. It is a matter of surrendering your life to him and to his power. And he will begin to transform your life in the same way that he has transformed mine and the lives of many around me. The Bible is filled with testimonies of people whose lives were changed and transformed. And even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of disunity, in the midst of all these things that we have talked about, when they stood in Jesus, that made a big difference for them. So if this is you once again, I want you to bow your head. I want to pray for you as we bring this message to a close. Father, I thank you for every single person that has opened their hearts to your message, to your word. And as it is written, Father, I pray that your message won't fall uh, into, into empty ground, Father, but into solid ground, that the seeds that have been planted, the words that have been confessed today, Father, the message that carries the heart of your gospel will be sown in their hearts. I pray for those, Father, that are willing to surrender their lives to you. And I pray, Father, that if this is them, that they will have the courage because this is something that requires courage to understand that we cannot do it alone, that we need you and that we need others. I pray, Father, that you will extend an opportunity for them to receive you as their Lord and Savior. And as we celebrate, Father, this Thanksgiving, we are thankful for their lives. We are thankful, Father, for the lives of our pastors, for every single person in Toronto City Church and beyond, every single person in your church, 
And we ask that you will continue to bring revelation about this message, Father. I thank you for your word is powerful. I thank you for the message of love and compassion that you have extended to us. Help us, Father, to be in tune with the voice of your Holy Spirit. And that the voice of the stranger, we won't listen. That our eyes will be open to follow you. And to continue to be, Father, a light to the world and soul to the earth. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to listen into this message from this task given. We are so grateful for the opportunity that you are giving us to be your children, to be ambassadors, to be instruments in your hands. For this, we thank you and we praise you, Father, as we bring this to a close. I pray for every single household, Father, that is celebrating Thanksgiving today, that you will be with them, give them provision, give them hope, give them love. Pray for your blessing to be upon them, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody in agreement says amen and amen. Thank you very much, every one of you in your house. For those who have been listening, the invitation is if you feel comfortable to, to sign up for our in-person gatherings. Uh, we are having such a fantastic time and it makes a big difference. And we are doing every single thing possible for you to be comfortable and to be in a safe place. To, to join us as we continue this journey as Toronto City Church. I thank you. And once again, as you go into your celebration, I pray that you will be blessed, but also that you will be a blessing to someone, especially in this day. Thank you very much. Until next time, ciao, ciao.